I used to begin every confirmation year by telling you something like, it's confirmation with an I, not conformation with an O. Because by learning more about the faith your parents baptized you into, you have an opportunity to confirm that faith for yourself, not to be conformed into what an ideal church person ought to look like. That's still true. When we teach confirmation youth, the intention is not to make every youth fit some kind of straight-jacketed model of a Christian, as if that were even possible. However, I don't say words like those anymore, because there is a certain kind of conformation that comes along with our Christian identity, a conformity to the image of Christ. Yet in America, conformity, whatever the context, is usually synonymous with oppression. The United States was built, at least partially, on the idea of the sovereign individual, created equal, endowed by God with certain inalienable rights, like life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. So whenever we see a threat to our individual freedom, even if we barely get a whiff of it, we tend to react to it. Many of our culture-dividing issues are based exactly on differing ideas of personal freedom. How such and such law or such and such Supreme Court decision affects us or those we feel kinship with. Yet freedom is not entirely about the individual. And it's not just the freedom to do what we want to do. In fact, Paul counters that idea of freedom by reminding the church in Corinth that all things may indeed be lawful, but not all things build up. Here in his letter to the church of Rome, Paul talks about another kind of freedom, a freedom marked by our transformation, by our conformation with Christ's very image. Paul has written several chapters in Romans about Paul's sovereign about God's sovereign freedom which is ultimately directed toward the salvation of creation here Paul writes of the new life in Christ and the new life is not a one-size-fits-all kind of conformity Christ isn't in the business of taking away personalities wills or individual identities and imposing a false self that's what cults do Rather, Christ takes our old, broken selves and teaches us to live into a new self, a new self which has been given to us at our baptism. It's a new self that was won at the cross and fed by Holy Communion. C.S. Lewis, in his classic Mere Christianity, puts it this way, Give up yourself, and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and the death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you, will find, and you will find in the long run only hatred, 
loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. Paul marks out what the new self looks like. The new self knows that they are a member in a larger whole, the body of Christ. And we all have a unique function in this body. We can get behind Paul's list here. Ministry, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and compassion. I like this list uh, as uh, compared to the 1 Corinthians list because uh, for, for Lutherans, it doesn't have speaking in tongues, which is fine. That's a fine gift. Uh, but I think most Lutherans can get behind this list a little easier than the one in 1 Corinthians. Uh, even prophecy. Prophecy itself is nothing more than a radical commitment to tell the truth. The truth about God, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about the world we live in. God's work of conformation to Christ's image, which is really transformation into a new self, is done today through Christ's body made up of sinners like you and me. Of people like us who sometimes cling to a limited sense of freedom to at the expense of the freedom for that Christ gives us. The truth is that whoever we are, whatever we've done, when we belong to Christ, we're given a place in his body and work to do. We're members. We're useful members of Christ's body. That's the thing about Christian community. Everyone has a job. Everyone. However small you think it might, it might be, like whether it's praying for the people on our prayer list, praying for Ron and his family, dropping a check in the offering plate, all of those things accumulate. And they accumulate because we're part of a larger whole. We're part of the body of Christ. And that work is part of the larger work of Christ's body on earth. It's a freely willed, freely given expression of the new self. Paul writes a little more about how free people live. In that way, it's a lot like how God presents the Ten Commandments to Israel. There, as here, the marks of the faithful person are given as an invitation to live in freedom, not as a shackle on who we really are. The freed transform self in Christ has genuine love for others, real love, which goes much further than social politeness would ask us to have. It means having joy and hope, patience in affliction, and perseverance in prayer. All these are so very important to developing the kind of resilient Christian faith and character that endures, as are everything else that Paul mentions. However, the most important mark of the new self is at the end of Paul's long list. And that mark is the refusal to take revenge. That mark is the refusal to pay back evil for evil. This, of course, doesn't mean that sin is merely overlooked. As members of this Christian community, the Shalom community, we sin, we mess up, and that means we hold each other accountable. However, we all must be willing to let go of our grudges. And then being given this new self in Christ empowers us to do just that.
Here's my story about a grudge. When I got divorced, I spent the next five or six years nursing a grudge, thinking of how I'd like to get even. This was countered by all the hatred I directed at myself. It was kind of a flip-flop kind of thing. Feeling like as a pastor I had an indelible mark on my character that I couldn't wash off. Did such thinking make me feel better? No. Did it help me be a better person? No. Did it make me a freer person? Of course not. You know the answer. Sarah knows how much of a pain in the you-know-where I was during this time. It kept me bound. Having that grudge kept me bound. It kept me bound to my hatred, bound to my fears. For too long, I simply would not permit myself to live in Christ's forgiveness and Christ's freedom of a conformed, transformed self. But thanks be to God that I'm in a different place today. With the help of counseling, spiritual direction, and a wife with incredible patience and enduring love, I've experienced that freedom now. That freedom from that grudge. I no longer carry it with me. Instead of conforming with the world's ways, Christ has continued his work of saving me, transforming me, And Christ is going to continue that work of saving you and transforming you as well. Transforming you into a new self, where you get yourself back more than you ever thought possible. You are given that kind of freedom. Live in that kind of freedom. Live in that great lightning when you realize that everything you, that that thing you were carrying for so long, is no longer part of you anymore. That is part of this holy conformation that we're talking about. And when we accept Jesus' invitation to grow into our new selves, we will find a freedom that we never knew could be possible. Amen. Amen.